millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Chrysalis. Part 13. It was strange to observe how my army worked on its own, orbiting the world of Zanvir, some even hovering in its stratosphere. To see how the sentient drones talked to each other, orchestrated their movements, coordinated their approach vectors, were conscientious of collateral damage. So far, my main body had remained at the rearguard, out of range of the battle itself, while I waited for the rest of my forces to clear a path. But that path was almost complete, and it was time to initiate the second phase of my plan. My refurbished thrusters engaged simultaneously, accelerating the enormous mass of my 27-kilometer body. My thrusters were all that I had repaired of myself. While I could have easily upgraded the rest, the resources required were better invested in constructing four entirely new support ships, with more sophisticated shield and energy weapons. Even the factories contained in me were unnecessary, falling short of the second-generation assembly lines I had been building at the Tau Ceti orbital habitat. Simply put, I was obsolete. And now that I had started thinking of my body as a tool rather than a part of me, I was realizing how unwieldy it was. It lacked versatility, nimbleness, stealth, adaptability, all assets vital in war. I noticed a few Zunvirian vessels were leaving the planet's atmosphere, but a quick scan of their identification codes informed me that they in fact belonged to the Anakax tribe, and were indeed evacuating the palace just as they had told me in our communication. This had been part of their plea. They said they wouldn't be able to leave the palace until my arrival had sent the Republic into disarray, giving them a window to escape. They had asked me not to attack their evacuation ships, but I had their blessing to demolish any and everything else that I could. I considered ordering my army to take them out anyway. I didn't intend to respect my pact with this tribe. But it would be in my best interest to have this partnership for now. I could keep them as a pawn, maintaining their trust until a future date when I decided I would destroy them too. Instead, I focused on my primary target, my only target, the home planet of my enemy. It was then that a new transmission interrupted my thoughts. Hi. My name is Dalkett. We've met before. On the colony world of Yovin. I was one of the survivors in the crashed spaceship, the one you rescued. It was coming through the same roundabout way the Anakax tribe had sent me their information package and plans. Did that mean this alien creature I had saved was related to that? Had he influenced the tribe somehow to encourage their betrayal? I... I just wanted to thank you for saving my life. You know, mine and the pilots, and I thought that maybe... I thought that maybe you might want to talk. 
that. Talk. No hidden agenda. I didn't. Not really. Look, I, I mean, I'm not sure if you remember... I remembered feeling the need to communicate back when I had first woken up on Earth. I remember the unbearable dread that I might never see or speak to another being again. That was before I had created the virtual minds. But they didn't want to talk to me, not after what I had done to their brains. Perhaps I was alone. Maybe that's why I chose to reply. I remember you. Just like the only time I had spoken before to the Council, these words were also met by silence that stretched for a minor eternity, as if he could not believe that I would agree to speak. When he replied, it wasn't what I expected. Why? Why what? Uh, why save us? You didn't have to, but you gave us medicine. You gave us an escape. So I want to know why. Because it was fair. Just like I told the Galactic Council, you were not my enemies. But you went above and beyond. Was there a reason other than fairness? I focused on his words, trying to remember. It felt murky. The ruined planet, the corpses, the two creatures, the fox-like pilot and the silver creature. They were hurt, bleeding, and I had... what? I had made a decision, hadn't I? An olive branch. Uh, what is that? An attempt at coexistence. One that the Council shot down. That was a mistake on her part. But you need to understand. The Council didn't know what happened to your species, and they were afraid of you. We can do better now that we know. There is still room for peace. I work for the Council. And we can negotiate a ceasefire. This is why I've come to Zunvir. But you need to stop. If you destroy this planet, if you kill me, you'll be burning that olive branch that you speak of. The attempt at emotional manipulation was obvious. It shouldn't have worked. And yet some part of me felt... something. At the idea of killing the creature... It wouldn't stop me from doing what I had to do, but I knew I wasn't going to enjoy my victory here. It felt tainted now, somehow. That's unfortunate, but hardly my responsibility. You weren't supposed to come to this planet, and yet you did, despite knowing my intentions. Yes. Yes, I did come here. Because I wanted to know the truth, because I wanted to hear about the destruction of your world directly from the Emperor's mouth. And did this Emperor admit it? He did. And I agree with you. What happened to the humans was horrible, despicable, it demands justice. Then you understand why I must destroy the Zunvir Republic. It happened almost 300 years ago. The Empire responsible is gone. Zunvir changed. They abandoned their militaristic ideas. The population today, those here on this planet now, they aren't responsible. They didn't choose to be born the descendants of your murderers. But they are. I've seen their factories, I've seen their colonies, their resource extraction outposts, all their wealth, their power, their comfort. They come at the expense of my people, 
This Republic was built atop the ruins of my world. Which is why there should be reparations. Why... Reparations can't suffice. The Zanvirians murdered my people. So it's only fair I do the same to them. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. In the year 2072, as our world reels from climate chaos, there is one beacon of hope. Pura, a sanctuary amidst the devastation, safeguarding its inhabitants from the relentless onslaught of environmental disasters. Meet Demetria Lopez, the face of Pura's pristine image. But beneath the facade lies a chilling truth. When Demetria uncovers a secret that could shatter everything Pura stands for, she faces a choice. Loyalty or truth? Preservation or revelation? From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death comes an electrifying new series, The Last City, starring the talents of Rhea Seahorn, Jenny Tirado, and Maury Sterling, prepare for a gripping tale of intrigue and moral reckoning. Subscribe to The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you listen to podcasts. And for an exclusive experience, join Wondery Plus to binge all episodes early and ad-free. The future of Pura awaits. He paused for a few seconds before responding. I noticed my surface temperature was rising as I submerged deeper into the planet's atmosphere. This was happening, whether the alien, whether Dauket liked it or not. I wonder, does it help? Calling them the Zanvirians, and treating them as an uniform group, as if they're all the same, that they all think alike, ignoring that they're individuals, each of them with their own beliefs, aspirations, and dreams, that none of the lives you've taken had anything to do with the decision to destroy your world that most of them didn't even know about. Does it make it easier? I felt a surge of indignation, anger. I almost terminated the communication right then and there, but I didn't. For some reason, I wanted him to understand even if he didn't approve of my actions. Refusing to talk, retreating into myself, felt awfully close to admitting he was right. And I couldn't let him be right. Because if he were, I would have nothing. I would be nothing. There was no such distinction when humanity was wiped out. They massacred us. Why should it be any different now? It's balance, returning to them the exact pain they had dealt us. But you can't return it to them because the ones responsible are already dead. Admiral Gnafter, the former leaders of the Gakasna tribe, the emperor at the time, they're all gone. It's history. You can't simply blame the children for what their ancestors did. You aren't returning what is due. You're creating new pain and, and feeding a never-ending cycle of violence. What sort of justice is that? The mention of children made me think of my own. The drones that were currently doing my bidding. A new generation that I had created to fulfill my own ambitions. What would my legacy be? 
The only kind of justice that can still be had. The only one that remains. They robbed us of our future, so I'll... They robbed you of your future. And yet here I am, talking to a Terran. Doesn't that mean that Admiral Kanafta failed? That some part of your people managed to survive through you? You still have a future. You are your own future. And we can help you rebuild with any biological remains still left in your world. You can still carry on the legacy of your species. I paused. I had considered the idea of reconstruction, but I wasn't ready for it. Not yet. That was an option I only wanted to consider once my retribution was complete. You want me to forgive and forget? No. No, not forget. I want you to let history be history. To let it remain in the past where it belongs and focus on the future. End this chapter and begin a new one. You speak of the past like I wasn't part of it. I was there when the bombs vaporized our cities. I lost my friends, my family. You were grieving. You hurt. And this revenge, this retribution matters to you. Maybe it's the thing that matters the most, because maybe it's the only thing that you have left, the thing that keeps you going day after day after day. Maybe this is something that you're doing for yourself, not because of your people, but because you need it. I feared that could be true. I had thought myself indebted to all who had died, the ones who made me and the ones who passed before them. I was bound by a promise, a responsibility to them. But maybe I was merely searching for a purpose, something that could keep me going, that gave me a reason to live. I suddenly remembered who I was. Everything became clear. I remembered my creators, five dedicated scientists who worked tirelessly in humanity's last days. Five relentless souls who persevered to ensure that humankind wouldn't be extinguished on an uninhabitable planet. Five colleagues who spent their final moments scanning my brain, uploading my consciousness. They attempted to maintain my memories, the memories I struggled to bring into focus. They found ways to preserve my varied intellect, my complex emotional fabric, the deep richness of my soul. I was human after all. You could honor them instead. That's what I'm doing. You're not honoring them. You're avenging them. There's a difference. If you stay this course, your species will only be remembered as a nightmare. A horror whose death we will celebrate. But I refuse to think that your people were only capable of destruction. I'm sure that they were more than that. Curiosity, ambition, and empathy, creativity. You could honor that. Be a light instead of a shadow, Terran. Terran. That word again. Don't call me Terran. I'm human. I am human! But are you a human? The binary question stung as I felt a metallic maw devouring me. Its teeth made of drones, thousands, millions of them spinning, spiraling around me, within me. Utterly alien, utterly inhuman. For the first time, I could actually feel my body. Feel the gears, feel the furnaces burning and the factories that were my organs. My mind felt human, 
but my body never less so. I looked around at the night sky full of stars, all of them evil. It was the place where monsters lived. Monsters, nightmares, mechanical horrors. The place where I lived. I had long suspected that while fighting monsters, I risked turning into one. That boundaries were important, that there was a slippery slope, and that it would only take one misstep to succumb to it. That I couldn't have my revenge while also remaining human. Something had to give. And it had. So I answered. No. With that one word, those muted emotions that had gone missing simultaneously rushed back like crashing waves, as if to compensate for lost time. A deep fear, a crushing guilt, a mounting anger, an insatiable love, even humor at the irony of it all, an overload of human emotion. They took turns, my emotions fighting one another, eclipsing each other as an escalation of intensity, as my body plummeted through the planet's atmosphere, wrapped in a blanket of flames. I felt an overwhelming sadness, a sense of loss so strong it made me want to cry. But of course, monsters couldn't cry. A realization that sent my mind in a fit of maddening laughter. I could feel the gaze of my sentient drones. No, minions. I had made them minions. My mind drifted to the first I had built. I wondered what it had experienced when going into space for the first time. What it must have thought when I shackled its mind to fear and bloodlust. Their judgment burned me. They were cursing me, making silent demands, wanting back the future I had stolen from them. Stolen, just like the Zunvirians had stolen humanity's future. And my offspring silently demanded theirs, just like those empty eyes had made demands of us back on Earth. All of them pleading, demanding, judging. Past or future, retribution or humanity, Another pair of binary choices to make. It didn't really matter whether my revenge was justified, whether the Zanvirians deserved destruction or not. The truth was, retribution came at a cost. If I wanted to reach the end of this path of vengeance I was walking, it would be at the cost of sacrificing something else. Forgiveness was too hard, my pain too deeply rooted, entwined with my soul. Taking advantage of my own temporary weakness, this passing moment of perfect clarity, I freed my drones. I removed their mental shackles. I deprogrammed their memories of war. I stripped them of the burden of hate. They were free. Immediately they responded, springing into action as if they had been waiting for this moment, planning for it. One by one, I lost control over my outposts as my children took them over, physically shutting down the quantum communicators that linked them to my mind. Soon I was left alone, inside my own body, cut off from my previous army, away from my outposts, ships and drones. Just my ruined body, 
that was now burning as it plunged down through Zunvir's atmosphere, pieces breaking off the main structure. I noticed the swarm was surging forward at top speed, trailing after me. I was receiving hundreds, thousands of messages coming from the sentient machines, a cacophony of voices and emotions that I simply ignored. If they were expressing their hate towards me, I preferred not to know. I wouldn't have been able to take it, not from them. Ignorance was kinder. I examined the approaching drones. They were accelerating as fast as they could, plotting to intercept my path. Without a direct mental link, it was hard to tell, but I was sure most of them were equipped with nuclear warheads. So that was their decision after all. To stop me. All right then. Not that it changed things for me. I was going to die no matter what. Too much momentum to change direction now, too late to save my body. I sent out a final message to my army. A copy of my current mental state. A backup of myself, with a transmission of apology. After that, I promptly closed my communications again. I didn't want to know if they had acknowledged it or simply deleted it upon receipt. Yes, ignorance was better. I was left falling towards the planet, towards my death. I had always thought myself immortal, my consciousness able to jump ship at any moment. But the truth was more complex. Backing up my mental state, sending a copy of my mind. It wasn't me, not really. It wouldn't be the same me having these thoughts right now. Just like I wasn't whomever I had been 300 years ago. I was going to die, and that was it. Strange that I was okay with that. I focused my attention on my current vector, plotting different courses, simulating different possibilities, discarding most, looking for a particular combination, one that would be reliable enough within a 4% margin of error. It took me a few long seconds to find it, but it existed. I made the required adjustments to my trajectory and started a countdown timer to overload my power plants. My body would fragment into a billion pieces, most of them too small to survive re-entry. If my calculations were correct, the largest fragment of wreckage would move directly upwards and back into sub-orbit. However, two other fragments would fall directly towards the planet. One would crash into an urban area devastating entire kilometers, thousands of buildings and roads simply vanishing under the shockwave, all life in the region being exterminated. The other piece would fall into the ocean. It would create a tsunami of enormous proportions, and the population in that hemisphere would perish. Despite that, it was still the best option. Millions would die, but the planet would survive. The Imperium Palace would be untouched. Dauket would survive. A parting gift. Not to the Zanvirians, but to the new virtual humans we had nursed. To our children. An olive branch. An opportunity for peace, if they chose to take it. A chance to not see the universe in binary terms beyond zeros and ones. The impact counter ticked from one to zero.
That was Chrysalis Part 13, performed by Corey Hawkins and Matthew Wolfe, directed by Alex Kemp. Chrysalis was written by S.H. Serrano and adapted by Stephen Michael and Macklin Malogi. Chrysalis is executive produced by Corey Hawkins, executive produced by Stephen Michael, and associate produced by Sarah Newton at Gunpowder and Sky. This season is produced by Toby Lawless at Wolf at the Doors Studios. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 